Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, Troy Murray joins the roundtable as we dive into the play of Kirby Doc, the third line standing out, and as well as a couple of news points with Connor Murphy and the acquisition of Ian McCaution on Tuesday night for the Blackhawks. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all-new Chevy Blazers got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all-wheel drive to sport to tow and haul. This ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, keeping you connected 24-7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going. This is Blackhawks insider Carter Baum alongside Adam Burrish and Chris Cook. And we are very pleased to be joined by Troy Murray, radio color commentator for the Blackhawks on this week's episode. Troy, uh, it's a big week for you. We've got a a bobblehead nearby that has a striking (laughs) resemblance to you. And now you're joining the Insider Podcast. Uh... It, where's it go from here? Uh, it just doesn't get any better. <laughs> this has to be a career highlight for you, right? It, it is. Yeah. I, you know you've made it when you've had a, a bobblehead. I can peacefully retire now. And you've had an article <laughs> written on you by Chris Cook about the bobblehead. I did. Uh, I mean, and, and thank you, Chris. Very nice little article. Thanks for the quotes. You were, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a little article. <laughs> and then we have Adam Burrish, uh, just a typical just week Just getting for in you. the way. Yeah, it's okay. still waiting to write on Adam. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure that out. Well, well, we need to thank Troy also because when he got here, uh, he hasn't even had lunch yet. He brought his lunch. We rushed him in here. He's starving. Uh, but the good professional that Troy is. pizza, too. Puts, yeah, just a loaded pizza. Yeah, big uh, the works pizza. <laughs> Professional he is. He joins us and and uh, I'm just happy to be here. Time. Happy to be here. First things first. All right, we got yeah. We'll get to lunch later. But yeah. we've got. We got. It's a big week around the Blackhawks. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. But first things first. Coming off of Tuesday night's game, uh, Sunday was a big one. Kirby Doc making his NHL debut, and then on Tuesday he scores a beautiful first NHL goal. Uh, it rattles off of his knee into the net pass. Marc-Andre Fleury, the Blackhawks end up falling in a shootout to the Vegas Golden Knights. But, uh, gentlemen, I want to get your thoughts on Kirby Doc because I think we saw from game one to game two, he played a lot more comfortable, and he's making a difference out there. 18 years old, there's questions looming of where, whether he's going to stay, whether he's going to go back to juniors. But uh, – at least in the first two games, he looks like someone who can really make an impact right now. The one thing that sticks out right off the bat is he's got NHL size. Um, you know, when you're six foot four and 200 pounds as an 18 year old, you know that you're going to mature into probably about a 215 pound player. Um, and he, he can handle that because he's got to fill out a little bit. Um, but he's, he's got that good size. He protects the puck well. Um, and my goodness, Washington Capitals, Vegas Golden Knights, those are your first two games. Uh, You know, two of the heavier teams in the NHL, and I thought he fared well. Um, Two of the more structured teams in the NHL and two teams that work extremely hard. So it wasn't like he was thrown into an easy game, and there's no easy games anyway. But uh, when you're playing those two two type of caliber type teams, it's, it's, 
you know, I thought it was impressive for what he was able to do and handle the physicality of those two teams. And first NHL shift as well. He's taking a face-off against Nicholas Backstrom. You look to your right, you've got Patrick Kane on your wing, and, oh, yeah, Alex Ovechkin, one of the best scorers in NHL history, is also right there as well. Yeah, it's got to be a little intimidating, and, um, you know, his family was, was in town, and I know, Adam, you know, when you have your first opportunity to play in the NHL, it's so special. And, you know, to be able to pick up his, his first goal in the second game is is pretty amazing as well. But uh, a lot of butterflies going into it and taking the opening face-off at the United Center in your first game. It doesn't get any better than that for an 18-year-old kid. He looked, the first game, if you're being honest, he looked nervous, right? I mean, and First couple expected. shifts, I, I thought that he, he looked nervous, yeah. but that's to be expected. To be expected. And I think he settled in. And I think yesterday you saw, again, it got better. Um, I was even saying, you know, after he scored that first goal, I would have liked him to see him get some power play time or go on that second unit maybe. Um, and while I'm complaining here, man, I wanted to see him go third in the penalty in the shootouts. I was really mm-hmm. hoping they threw him out there third because you score a goal, you've got all this pressure as a high pick. And I've talked to Kane about it a little bit. I didn't have that pressure, but he did. And it's more you want to prove the Blackhawks right that they made a good pick, and everybody's saying, "Are you gonna? Is this? Are you the guy? Are you the guy?" And so you feel that. And Kane's talked about that. You feel that pressure, and not until you get some results does that kind of go away a little bit. And so I'm sure he's feeling that. You get your first goal, man. That's a boost of confidence, and he looked more confident. That that first rush he had, where he dipped it inside out of the defenseman's stick and skates, and then protects the puck really well and makes a play. And I think it was his next shift he scored a goal. So the confidence is coming. And I always think with these young, skilled guys, it's um, the guys that make it and the guys that don't are the guys that it's the confidence that they lose. It feels like, and he's got a lot of confidence. He showed it yesterday, and. Uh, I think he's going to start making big, big steps now going forward. It's funny you mentioned the power play because when I watched him, and I wouldn't do it right now, he needs to fill out a little bit and he needs to get used to the league, but that to me is a guy who can play right in front of the net. You know, big body, really long reach with a long stick. I like to see him at, at some point in his career, you know, maybe even this season if he fills out and or next year, be that guy who provides traffic in front of the power play. I think he's the type of player that can play the half wall in front of the net. He's yeah. got great skills, great vision. You know, if you think of where his comparison is uh, as as far as a player, everybody talks about Ryan Getzlaff. Mm-hmm. Well, Getzlaff is a half-board type of yep. player. And, and um, you know, the scouting report and from what we see from, from Kirby is is he has that unique skill and talent that he can, he can make plays um, wherever he is on the ice. But he is a big body and can also get in front of the net as well. I You know, I, I think just because of the way that he can shoot the puck and the way that he can see things that he'll eventually end up on the half-boards. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe to start with, you know, take a little bit of pressure off there. But once he becomes an established player and a, and a leader on the power play, I, I see him more as a half-board yeah. player. Yeah, me too. And, you know, for now, it could be like a James Neal kind of around the net in front, like you said, Chris. And then as that confidence comes, then it is maybe a half-wall guy. His hands are smooth as can be for a big man, really smooth. And and then just kind of away from the rink, I got to spend some time with him this summer at the Blackhawks convention. And what a good kid, too. Mm-hmm. Respectful, nice. I mean, you guys see him in the locker room after practice when you talk to him but just a really nice kid that his teammates are going to like he's not a, a third overall pick that's coming in with this swagger and, and you know nose up in the air but a, a nice nice kid fun guy uh, got a little bit of the old school throwback a little a little a little attitude in a good way um that's fun but just a nice respectful kid and um 
from what I understand, Seabrook's kind of taken him under his wing too, which is great. Not a not a more perfect guy. If I had an 18 year old son coming to the NHL, I'd want him living and, and being around with a guy like Seabrook. So so good on Seabs and and Kirby Doc will get a lot from being around Seabs. And and that is that's so important. When I first came here, Dennis Savard, Keith Brown were the first two guys that that took me in. Yeah. Uh, you know, established players. Um, and that means a lot, and it helps Kirby a lot that he's yep. staying with somebody. Um, you know, I know that there's a lot of people, and actually retired players like Keith Kachuk um, had one of the St. Louis Blues rookies staying with him. Um, you know, just an opportunity to absorb a lot of stuff, the way that they prepare for the yep. game, the way that the you know the professionalism comes into uh, into effect. And Siebes is one of those guys. I mean, you know, he, if you're Kirby Doc, you're just absorbing everything that yeah. you can about that whole uh, situation. And just so people know, too, generally what would have happened to Kirby, an 18-year-old, he's on this nine-game tryout, essentially, right, is he'd be living in a hotel. Mm-hmm. He'd be at a hotel by himself, in a room, no car. Um, you know, hopefully there's another guy there that can drive you to the rink or you take a taxi and you're going out to heaven to go out to dinner every night, find your way around the city. So, um, yeah, having some older guys kind of take you in and show you around. I'm sure his parents are a little more at ease with that too. Yeah. Troy, Chicago, you Chicago can be a, a big city. Yeah. <laughs> Troy, you mentioned how his parents were able to be here, not only for his first game, getting in literally, I think three hours before the game is when they got into Chicago, got to their hotel, literally wow. dropped the bags off, went to the United Center. Uh, his dad still called it the arena. We went to the arena uh, or to the rink and, uh, you know, a, a special moment for them. For our two former NHLers here, no disrespect, Chris Cook, uh, you and I are going to bow out on this one. Still waiting. Uh, you'll get your call up soon. Yeah. Uh, you'll get some time in Rockford. But we're going to send you on a conditioning stint there. But going to take uh, a while. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it, Troy. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> for, for Troy and Adam, walk us through – not only your first NHL games and what the moment was like and uh, how nice it must have been for him to have his parents kind of share that moment with him, but uh, then maybe take it a step farther with, with your first NHL goals. Um, I'd have to remember it to, to be able to talk about it. Um, you know, the one thing that I remember, I, I, I was at the University of North Dakota and we won uh, the NCAA championship on a Saturday night uh, against Wisconsin. Give me a break. We're going down <laughs> here now. Gotta, I'm just, just, I'm just, these guys. I, yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, we, we did beat Wisconsin where, where Adam went to school. Um, that was a Saturday night. Uh, on, on Tuesday, I was in Chicago and I ended up signing my contract uh, later that day. My, my father came in for that, um, but he had to head back. He didn't stick around for my first game because we weren't sure when that was going to be at the tail end of the season. Um, but I remember playing in, in my first, or the first time that I scored was against Mike Liute, the goaltender for the St. Louis Blues, and I came out of the corner and just kind of jammed one at the net, and it, it went in. And those are just kind of the memories that you, you know, you'll always remember. And for Kirby Doc, I, it may, he might want to think that he hit that with his stick rather than <laughs> off the shin pad. We we had a had to take a second look at it to realize how it went in, but that's a special moment. And for him, for his uh, father Dave, mother Hillary, his younger daughter. Uh, Callie, I think, was in town to watch it. Uh, that's something pretty special. It was uh, neat for us um, between periods, wa- watching watching, and then in between periods doing the, the TV stuff that we do. And Gizmo, uh, who's part of our team in the, in the bowl that does the reporting, he saw the goal and he was standing right in front of Kirby Doc's parents. So instead of kind of watching, he turned around and he said their mo- his mom was just bawling. Yeah. So a pretty cool moment. That's he talked awesome. to her during the broadcast, which was neat. But um, for me, my face, my first game was in St. Louis. Uh, I made the team out of college. I don't know how. 
They didn't play me for the first, I think, two games. And then the, the third game, I think it was, the season was in St. Louis, and that was my first game. And uh, kind of like you, try. I don't remember much about it. I felt like I was – I remember thinking, like, it feels like I'm in a video game right now. Like, I felt like I was watching myself play in the <laughs> NHL, but I was actually out there. And so I, I was obviously pretty terrible in that game. But, um, yeah, I was just nervous, and it was also more just like, holy crap, like, this is going on right now. So I remember that feeling. And then my first goal <clears> – <throat> and, I, and I, I'm going to take a chance to brag a little bit here. Um, your partner – Troy, John Wideman had told me that when I scored my first goal, I set an NHL record. And I was the first player, he told me, in NHL history to be the captain of a team before scoring my first goal. That was the year Dennis Savard was the coach, and we didn't have a captain. We had rotating A's that would go around. So that month, Dennis Savard said, you're playing hard, you're going to lead this team, and you're going to be a captain. Well, I hadn't scored a goal yet. We were like 55 games into my career or something like that, and I had not scored a goal yet. So Savvy Slab said, hey, on my jersey, and I'm like, this has got to be a joke. Like, I was so uncomfortable with this. And he's like, nope, you're going to wear the A. And I think the second or third game, we were in San Jose. Uh, Jake Dowell, who I played with in college, comes out of the penalty box, uh, snaps a pass up, and I think I went on a breakaway against Evgeny Nabokov in San Jose, and I don't remember where I shot it. I don't, I don't know how it went in. I probably just shoveled it at the net, and it went in, but that was my first goal, and it was about 55 or some games into my career, but I had an A on my jersey when I did that. So pretty <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and only my partner, John, would, only would, he would, would come up too, with something like I, that. I'll take it. Well, I, it's Dale Doc. I want to not go too far on with any disrespect to the Doc family, but before we move on, it was... Uh, Eric Gustafson, who picked up the puck, and I saw he flipped it to uh, Troy Parchman, the head of equipment manager on the bench, to obviously put that one away. Where do you know where your first NHL goal pucks are? Either of you? No clue. They didn't. They didn't pick it up for you. Well, I, I I'm pretty sure I got it, but I, I have no idea uh, where it is at at this point. I just, <laughs> I mean. I, I remember so many was, it, was it Jeremy Carlton was talking about his first goal yeah. that his parents have it. I, yeah. I would assume that it's in some of the boxes. The puck that, is uh, probably worth millions, Troy. Yeah. If only you knew where it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I only I knew where it was. I, I, I was actually going through some stuff the other day at home, and the one thing I do have, and it was stacked away somewhere, but I had a, the Blackhawks made a really cool framed um, uh, like picture type of thing with the score sheet from the game and a picture of like me celebrating scoring. And to be honest, I think there's a slot in there for the puck, but the puck's not there. So it's the missing puck again. Nobody wants my puck, Troy. I know that. <laughs> I, I'm certain I lost it somewhere, it's, or it's in that cabinet somewhere. But you can read the full story about how Kirby's first NHL game went, how his parents were able to make an essentially overnight trip from uh, Western Canada to make it down full coverage of that over on Blackhawks.com. One of the other interesting storylines I think over the last few games has been the play of the goaltenders. We've seen an even split of time from Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard. Uh, I think just by chance, uh, all three of Robin Leonard's starts have gone to overtime. The most recent one going to a shootout. He's posted uh, a 9.43 save percentage, a 1.93 goals against average. Corey Crawford, a record of 1-3-0, but his first two games were really before the defense uh, started to come together and, and things started to tighten up. Uh, 8-9-1 save percentage, a 3-5-8 goals against average. Uh, Jeremy Colleton talked about it today after practice that, yet again, these are two goalies that they're confident in no matter who goes in, but 
has Robin Leonard maybe taken a, a half step ahead with his uh, especially last two games and really some of the saves he's been able to make? He made 33 against Vegas and uh, really held the team in in the third period and in overtime with some spectacular saves. He, he's been good, and Corey's been good as well. If you if you go down, you 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 look at the goals that were scored on Corey. Um, maybe there was a, a one or two in in um, in Prague that yeah, he would probably it. like to have back, but the other ones were were basically missed assignments defensively and and really leaving your goaltender to um, you know try and come up with an unbelievable save to keep the puck out of the net. And it, it just didn't happen. Um, they have tightened it up a lot better. Um, Robin's you know they're they're kind of different goaltenders the way that I look at it. Robin is so big, 6'4", yeah. 240 pounds. There's, there's not a lot of motion movement in his net. Um, as long as he can see where the puck is coming from, he can make himself look pretty big and a lot of pucks are going to hit him. You know, Corey's a little bit smaller, but still a big goaltender at 6'2", um, a little bit more active in the net, but his, his movement is compact as, as well. And I think that when you equate what the Blackhawks have as far as their goaltending, uh, situation. You, you look at quality pitching in baseball, and you're going to get 82 quality starts this year between Corey and and Robin. And I think that's something that the Blackhawks are really fortunate to have. You know, there's a lot of teams that have an established number one, and then looking for help out in the uh, backup category. The Blackhawks are very fortunate this year to to be in this situation. Robin's played extremely well, um, but I think that it's going to kind of be an ongoing you know, process and, and how Jeremy and the coaching staff want to work along with Jimmy Waite, the goaltender coach, how they want to work the goaltenders in. And actually one of the questions that was thrown at me last night uh, during uh, the second intermission was what do you do with this rotation? And is one goaltender is hot, does he start taking over and playing? Um, and I think that'll all just kind of unfold as we move along here. But if the Blackhawks are in a position to make the playoffs and do make the playoffs, you're going to have to pick one or the other. And I think the play, you know, during the regular season will determine that. And I think at the end of the year, it might be pretty clear cut who, you know, should be starting in the postseason if they get to that point. Chris, as a, like, as a guy that's written about this stuff, I, I always, is this going to be a story? Like you guys, are you guys like my, your eyes have got to be lighting up. Like we've got a little bit of drama Love here. Love a goaltender or, controversy normally. Is, is yeah. that what it's, is that what it's, because uh, I, mean, I hate that. Like, I don't even, I'm kind of uncomfortable because we're making this a story now and it is, I guess, but um, it, you don't want it to become kind of a distraction or put a rift between these two guys. But I think it's a, I think it's a story, but it's a, like Troy put it, it's a good problem to yeah, have. Yeah, it is. It's it, not like we're sitting here talking yeah. about both these guys are terrible. Who's going to go in and stop yeah, a puck? Yeah, totally. I think it's a, it's it's a, a good, story, but it's a very good story that totally. you, I think 30 other NHL teams the, would be happy to have. The totally. thing is, is it, for it to work, these guys have to buy into it. Yeah. And I've actually talked, to, I'm working on a story on this, I've talked to both players and you know they know the situation. They both want to play sixty-five games. That'd be great, yeah. but they know that's not going to happen. But you have to have two guys who don't have huge egos. And I think at this point in their career, listen, Robin Leonard knew that Corey Crawford was here yep. when he signed that contract. I'm sure the Blackhawks went to Corey Crawford and said, "Hey, we're going to bring in Robin Leonard. Here's kind of the, the plan. You're going to split time. Maybe when a guy gets hot." So I, I think it takes both players buying into this kind of process. And I think that those two goaltenders are doing that because. You know, goaltenders can have egos like anybody else, right? So I think that um, the fact that they're into it saying, okay, we know we, I might not play every game, 
I might go, you know, every other game or maybe Corey gets hot, he goes in there, maybe Robin gets hot. So I think that they've got the two guys in place to do that because some situations I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I, that's the biggest point for me too is Corey does not have an ego. He's right. not that kind of guy. I mean, he's got a chip on his shoulder like every good player does, but – um, I played with guys that were goalies that wouldn't talk to some of the backups sometime or thought, like, it's not my job to be nice to that guy. I'm worried about myself. I had a guy tell me that once. He said, I don't care what he thinks. Like, I'm, it's not much the coach's job to manage him. I got to worry about myself. And um, it certainly seems, I don't know, I don't know Robin well, um, but it certainly seems like they both are kind of nice, respectful guys. They understand the situation. Corey's not a greedy guy and gimme, gimme, gimme. I need to be in front of the camera every day. Um, that's me. Um, but he was, uh, this is a situation I think we're going to end up talking about it for a long time. But I think if there's two guys that are okay handling it, I think these are probably two pretty good guys to handle this. The, the other aspect is they're both playing for contracts next year. They're both, you know, on the last year of their contracts. So if they do want to be a number one somewhere, whether it's the Blackhawks or somewhere else, you'd think that they want to get 65 starts, be a Vezina, you know, nominee. nominee. But I really believe that the, the mentality of these guys are they want this hockey team to be better and they're willing to do whatever it takes. It, it's tough as a number one goaltender um, to come in and, and split time with another number one goaltender. And, and you know, as Adam, you're talking about, if, if you didn't have the personality between the two players, um, you know, being very respectful to the other. And I, I want them to be disappointed that they're not playing yeah. uh, you know if somebody is, is sitting out of the lineup and they're happy about it that's not the person i want i i want that person pushing the other person working as hard as he can as hard as he can to be in a situation for him to succeed which pushes the other guy um and they, they both want to start but I, I think there is a lot of respect between those two guys and i think that the story is going to continue and there's always going to be second guessing between the media um, to Jeremy's decision. In hindsight, you can always say, well, why didn't he stick with the hot goaltender? There's always going to be hindsight and questions, I think, this season, as Adam, you were talking about, with the goaltending yeah. set up the, the way it is. I mean, you know, if, if as you mentioned, if Robin plays a, a solid game like he did last time, does he deserve to come back and play the next game? And if he doesn't, you put the goaltender in that may have been sitting for a little bit. There, there's always going to be question marks. Um in the rear end of, of, of things rather than looking at it and say, well, listen, you know, he's got a plan, he's got a process here, everything is going to change. Um, but it, it's the same thing as what they, at the beginning of the season, he switched uh, Kubalik off the line with Camp yeah. and, and Saad and put him up with Taves and Kane to try and get Taves and Kane going. And after the game, they said, well, why would you do that? He says, well, you know, I, I tried it, we didn't win, and, you know, you move on from yeah. there. But if he had made that move and all of a sudden Taves and Kane and Kobalik were red hot and they won the hockey game, he's a genius. So everything is going to be in, in hindsight this year as far as the goaltending situation, I think. You made a great point. Sorry, Adam. Yeah. He made a great point when you said that um, those guys push each other because both the both Corey and Robin said that to me directly. He said, yeah, we you know, one guy does well, the other guy wants to do well. As, you know, I want to get back in the lineup myself. So you got two guys who are pushing each other to be at their best every game, and that's, that's really important. And, and you talked about contract years for these guys too, and I've seen it happen before. And <clears throat> as far as their mindset, yeah, everybody wants to get paid, right? And so if you're a goaltender, though, and you end up only playing 30 games, but your goals against is 1.9 and your save percentage is a 930, you're getting paid. Yeah. It, it, it may not be here, but you know, let's be honest, this is still a business. You want to get paid. You want to, you want to make the big bucks. You want to be the star. Uh, so these guys, it's a, it's, that helps the Blackhawks. That selfishness 
in the goaltender position wanting to light it up and I got to focus for only 30 games now maybe well I'm going to have 30 unbelievable games I'm going to have amazing stats which is going to help our team win by the way and then I'm going to get paid on my new contract so I think it's a win-win for Jeremy it's a win-win for the Blackhawks but that is the mindset for goalies is my numbers need to be unbelievable if I pay 20 games or I play 60 games and ultimately that's what you know teams are going to look at is what's this guy's safe what was his record what was his save percentage how many shutouts did he had and so if you can light it up for 30 games you're going to be just fine Troy I think uh, you're fitting in seamlessly with the podcast because I you we went right to my next point uh without even knowing <laughs> he's it. a pro you know there's a question mark around the goalies but where there's not a question mark is that third line Saad, Kampf, Kubelik uh they've been Probably the most consistent line since camp. You know, moving Kubelik up to the top line, we saw it didn't work. Jeremy Colleton kind of admitted, you know, we were we were trying something. And ever since, it's been those three together. Uh, Saad has two goals, two assists for four points. Kubelik has two goals and assist for three points. Camp, two assists for two points. Uh, they had a goal on Sunday that all three contributed to. And it seems to be the one bright spot in the forward group, the one consistency over these first uh, seven, eight games. Uh, that Jeremy Colleton doesn't really have to make a decision on. Those three really have the chemistry going, uh, and it's showing on the ice. They've played extremely well uh, as a unit, and I think Brandon Saad has, has been the, the Blackhawks' best player um, by a long way, the most consistent players. I mean, he was a beast in the game last night against Vegas. The penalty killing was great. He's, he's a power forward right now. He's playing that type of a game. He's taking it to the net. Uh, defensively, he's he's been excellent in his own end of the ice, and and that whole line has really worked. And they've had some tough assignments here in, in the first little while against the top line from Winnipeg, against Connor McDavid, Drysital, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. And if you can get production to go along with a line that plays well defensively in a shutdown role. Uh, you got something special. And I, I really think that Dominic Kubalik is going to be a great player. He's only 24. He's just trying to figure out what the NHL is all about. But he's a big guy. He skates well. He's got a great shot. Um, if you look at David Camp in the middle, he's a smart player. Uh, where his upside is um, offensively is is to be determined. Uh, but he's going to get a lot of ice time if he's playing with uh, Kubalik and, and Saad. And, and I think that that line has some great chemistry as it stands right now. Uh, they're very reliable in, in their own end of the ice. And why they've created a lot of scoring chances at the other end of the ice is because they get the puck back quicker in their own end of the ice because of their positioning and the way that they play defensively. So I, I've really been impressed with that line. And, and now you're looking at you know the other nine forward positions to try and fight the, find the right combinations to get some of the top players heading in the right direction offensively does Saad you think Saad sticks in that third line spot or do you do you maybe move a guy like Shaw there in that checking spot and let Saad go up and play some top six minutes I, I think you're going to see it, it sprinkled all around yeah um, but right now they're looking they have that one stability uh, that yeah. that stable yeah. line that they have um, but Brandon Saad can play first second third yeah. line I mean he, he's been a first line player but um, you know it and you know, this is something that the Blackhawks know that's a luxury that if they can find the right mix between Strom, Kane, DeBrinket, and Taves w- with the other players yeah. around that, whether it's Andrew Shaw or, or whoever, 
then you can look at a, at a matchup that maybe is favorable yeah. um, and put Brandon Saad in a real good position to p- succeed and, and really be in a good position to add some depth scoring, if you want to call it that, from a frontline player that could easily be playing on the top line. And, and with that line, when you have that third line, that's, that's that checking line, you nailed it. They've done an unbelievable job. Literally some checking line, check- two yeah. checks on it. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, against some crazy good one. Against some <laughs> crazy uh, tough matchups. Um, well, now a guy like Kane, now his eyes light up a little bit because now he's getting some of these. He may get a second or fourth line matchup more times now. Um, so for the casual fan, you, you won't notice that stuff. But I can guarantee you when Kane's on the bench and he sees, you know, Backstrom and Ovechkin's line is covered up by Saad's line. Um, and then maybe Tave slides out there against a, a team's second line. Well, now Kane's getting a third or fourth line matchup. Kane gets to go out against a guy like me now, and I guarantee you they notice those things. They look across the ice like, A, holy crap, you're going to disrespect me and put Adam Burrish out there against me is what Kane's thinking, or you know, player X that's a fourth line guy. Those pa- Patrick Kane's eyes light up when he gets those matchups. I think Saad's been terrific. I think that Kubalik, I like, like his shot. He's been great. David Camp, though, that back check he made – uh, in the third period was yeah. the best of the Blackhawks season. When Jonathan Taves was in the box, four minutes, David Camp's out there killing penalties. I really was impressed with his effort. You're right, Troy, that we don't know where his offense is going to be. It's probably not where he wants it to be right now. But when he's contributing in those ways, he's really a valuable uh, member of that line. And as long as Saad's going and as long as Kubik's, Kubik's going, I think you can afford to have Camp just focus on some defense. Yeah, and, and I think that he's got to get stronger in the faceoffs. He had a, a yeah. good night last night, but uh, his numbers, I think, were down at around 42% yeah. coming into the game. If he's going to have that big matchup against other teams' top lines, you're going to have to have puck possession and win uh, you know, uh, your fair share of the draws because anytime you have, if you're going to shut down a line that has Patrick Kane on it, if you give him the puck right away, you're in trouble. So if you can win those face-offs, get a little bit stronger in that area, gain puck possession, it may be 15, 20 seconds before the skilled players on the other line that you're playing against get a, get their first touch, and then they might have another 20 seconds or in the tank before they have to make a line change. But if you give them the puck right off the bat by losing face-offs, uh, you're going to be you know in a you're going to be chasing the play all the time. But I think that he's he's really matured, and I think he's really accepted his role where he is right now. Um, you know, you put the pressure on Taves and Strom uh, down the middle to add the offensive flair to the to the game for the Blackhawks. But for Dominic uh, Kubalik, he's, he's fitting in. He's a Czech player along with David Camp. So I, I think there's really good chemistry between uh, those players. And I think all three of the, the players that are on that line are, are smart players. They, they think the game extremely well. Um, and, and I think they see it in a similar way, uh, the way that they play in their own end of the ice, especially. Chris, when you and I had Stan Bowman on a few weeks ago, one of the fan questions we got was, what's, what's one of your favorite trades? What's you know a, a trade you hang your hat on? I just want to point out, Dominique Kubelik was acquired for a fifth-round pick. Yeah. I, I, he's have, already I have, I have no idea, and I don't want to be disrespectful to the LA Kings organization, but I have no idea what they yeah. didn't see in, in Kubelik. I mean, he's got size, he's got a shot, he competes, he can skate. Um, and to be 24 years of age and really not get an opportunity with, with the Kings organization. Even in the minors. Like, yeah, nothing. We'd be awesome on your American League team. He's awesome on your NHL team. Yeah, I, I really, and I like it. I mean, you've been around him a little bit. You guys have seen him. Um, he's got a great attitude. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, you know, he played in the Ontario Hockey League. He, he knows the North American game, and he went back and, and worked on it, uh, you know, back home, back over uh, across the seas. But 
you know, he plays a very North American style of game and that's important, you know, to fit right in here and, and fit in, in a checking role like that. I mean, he's not afraid to mix it up. He gets to the front of the net. Um, and he's a player that I, I think that, uh, was very underestimated by the LA Kings organization. How did Stan answer that question when you guys asked him? He tossed it right over to Chris Cook and yeah. uh, put Chris on the hot seat. And uh, Chris, Chris had a couple Julia of ones. And some other guys, but uh, Antoine Vermette, you know, guys like uh, that yeah. who came in and made impacts down down the stretch and in the, won some cups. But, yeah, there's been some good moves there. But this could be – because you're talking about a young player with a great shot, a great attitude. This could be one of the bigger ones that he's made. Well, a couple news points before we wrap things up. Uh, one of the not-so-great things that came out of Tuesday night's game is – Connor Murphy is going to be out for at least a couple of weeks with uh, a groin injury. It sounds like uh, something he kind of dealt with in preseason a little bit, but he had been working really well on the top pairing with Duncan Keith, uh, a little bit of a, a hitch to the Blackhawks lineup. We saw Calvin DeHaan get some shifts out there in the third period last night, kind of filling into that role, but someone's going to have to step up because the big storyline over the opening weeks has been how the defense is starting to find their own, and now they're uh, throwing a little hiccup with having to make uh, some adjustments here. I, I think when you look at what uh, Jeremy did on the defensive side of it, uh, Gustafson and Keith had been together for a lot of the last little while here, last year especially, um, but if you're going to use Duncan Keith in a, in a role where I think at where he is in his, his career, if he can just be that shutdown defenseman and not let him worry about the offensive side of the game, I know that he would like to have his numbers go up a little bit, but if you just tell Duncan, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go play up against Connor McDavid, and every time he's on the ice, you're going to be out there, and you're going to take away time and space. You need somebody to, to play that role as well. If you're going to have that type of a shutdown role, you, you need somebody that is reliable defensively as well. And Connor had really stepped up into that role. And I think in some ways it frees Gustafson to be a little bit more creative now and on a pairing with uh, uh, Calvin DeHaan. Not so much pressure of facing a defensive matchup or having a defensive matchup in, in your mindset um, and, and trying to just play that game. But when you saw Connor and, and Duncan play together, you, you really saw some good chemistry defensively and I, I think that when I saw Dunk playing against uh, uh, the Winnipeg Jets when he played against the Edmonton Oilers, two of the better games I've seen him play in a long time because he was out there with a purpose to shut down those guys and not let the rest of the game kind of distract him. We've got other players to do those kind of things and I, I think that that fit between him and and uh, and Connor Murphy was really good in the role that they were established and put out there to do. I, yeah, I just feel bad for Connor. He hasn't been able to string, as Blackhawk, he hasn't been able to string together, it feels like, 20 games in a row without something popping up on him. And it's certainly not He, he works so training, hard, too. Right? I mean, he trains so hard. He, he's like a machine, but it just... Fit. You know, you see him in the gym. You see him with the shirt off at the pool in the summer, and he's jacked. He's in good shape. He trains hard. So, yeah, it's just uh, bad luck, I think, a lot of it. I, I, I've been there. I know what he's going through, but... Um, to talk about the defense, because you know me guilty as anybody too about saying there's there's some holes back there and that needs to get shored up. Well, the last couple of games, at least for I don't know about you, Troy, but Vegas to me is probably one of the toughest matchups of anybody in the league. With they've got two first lines, you've got the Stastny, Stone, Pacioretty line, then you've got Marcheseau, Wild Bill, and Riley Smith. That's two first lines on any team, and so who do you, and they shut them down. They did a pretty good job yesterday, so. To me, maybe things are turning. They're starting to understand the, how they want to play. Guys are kind of, maybe guys are accepting those roles of, you know, Duncan Keith saying, I'm going to shut these guys down. I'm not going to let them. They shut Connor McDavid down for the most part, too. 
I, I really like what they've done um, in their own end of the ice here the last couple of games. Yeah. The first couple of games and even last year, you, you saw it that in the system that Jeremy likes to play, there was a lot of missed assignments and a lot of people wide open in front of the net. You didn't see that happen yeah. in the game last night. They were really good. The, the, the backside pressure from the forwards was great to come down and help in the slot area. They took away the middle of the ice. Yeah, and Vegas is a tough team because that's where they're not a perimeter team. They get to the middle yeah. of the ice, and I thought the Blackhawks defended extremely well in those areas the last couple of games, much better than they did at the beginning of the season. And you're saying, you know, you can't put the blame on Corey Crawford. His numbers might look a little bit worse than 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 Robbins, but the opportunities that they were giving up defensively against some of the top teams. Um, you know, you just kind of get yourself, you expose yourself in those situations. You can't leave those players uh, open. And I thought, uh, especially in the game last night against Vegas, they did a much better job of having a 60-minute focus. Unfortunately, you know, they weren't able to, to finish the deal. But if if they get through that 60 minutes and they win the game one nothing, or maybe score an empty net goal 2 nothing, you're talking about almost a perfect hockey game against a good team that was coming off a loss. And I've always said this, Adam, you know this, you, when you guys were playing and you guys had a lot of confidence, you never lost two games in a row. Yeah. And uh, Vegas was coming off a tough loss in Philadelphia. You knew that they were going to be ready, and they played a strong game. I mean, they played a strong game. And, and if the Blackhawks can compete against a team like that, which plays a heavy, um, heavy game with a lot of skill in it, um, they can play against anybody. So I really liked what I saw defensively because the focus was there for 60 minutes. They knew it was going to be a good challenge, and they were up to, up to it. They were more aggressive, too. It wasn't as much thinking. I've seen that in, in the, probably the last year now, you know, six months, probably the last 60 games, call it. Just a lot of thinking, right? You know, the older guys, well, if you're, I'm not if, sure. And if you're thinking what's happening. You're a second late you, all you, over the ice. When, when your mind starts thinking, your body takes a second to react to it, and, and it's too late. And the, the stat that, again, as we've had a couple games now that jumped out, and Chris, you've got the stats in front. I think the hits were like 30, Blackhawks had 38 or 36 hits again last night mm-hmm. against... A, a big, mean, tough, physical Vegas Knights team, and they out-hit them. I think they had 21 block shots the Blackhawks did on the back end. So when you're hitting, you got 38-some hits, and you're, that means you're not thinking. You're not a step slow. You've got to get there quick to get to a guy now because you can't run out of position. You've got to be there. They were there last night. Yep. Not only hitting, but frustrating as well. There was that one point, I think, in the first period where Alex Dabrinka got picked up like a ragdoll and – thrown into the inboard just because yep. they were getting under the skin yeah. of a very good Vegas team. Yeah. Before we go, I want to get your your thoughts on what do the next two weeks look like on the back end? Because you have three, I think, defensive options who bring a little bit different to the table. Slater Cuckoo's been a healthy scratch in the last few games. We've seen him a couple times. And then you have two guys in Rockford, Adam Boquist, we know is very offensive. Dennis Gilbert, a uh, very strong um, physical defenseman. Who of those three maybe do you see as, as kind of taking that step up and maybe filling a void right now? You know what? That's a good question. And I don't know. I haven't seen Rockford enough. Um, you know, Boquist, I think he needs to, to play a lot and, and to learn the NHL game. I think that if you're looking for a different element, especially when you're going on the road, you're going to be playing in Nashville. You're going to play, you know, the California teams, LA, Anaheim, San Jose. Um, those are bigger brands of hockey that, that they play. And, you know, to, to put, Adam in that position, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough call. It's a tough call, and, they, and they'll, you know, they'll go through everything and figure out, you know, and, and you're looking at a right-handed guy that's out of the lineup. 
and they don't have a plethora of those guys on the blue line here. And Jeremy actually was talking today about, you know, we're going to have to slot somebody over there and maybe somebody that's not used to playing the right side. Um, so you, you factor everything into it and, and, you know, you move forward, but it's going to be, it's going to be a big adjustment. I think Slater Cuckoo, if he slides in there, um, I thought he was pretty good. He's, he's been a good NHL defenseman, pretty solid, still looking for that opportunity to, to really, you know, be a, uh, a permanent fixture on the blue line there, but I think he can get the job done, but you're going to put a lot of pressure on a lot of guys to play in the role that Connor Murphy and Duncan Keith were playing at as a good shutdown pairing. One last Bit of news as if there wasn't enough coming out of Tuesday's game. During the second intermission, the Blackhawks made a trade. Uh, They traded Alexi Sorella, who was, of course, acquired with Calvin DeHaan in June from Carolina. They sent him to Florida in exchange for Ian McCaushin, a 24-year-old defenseman, former 31st overall pick in the second round of Florida a few years ago, back in uh, more than a few years ago. In 2013, he made his NHL debut at the end of 2017. He's played... 38 games with Florida the following year, 19 games in the NHL last year. He's played seven games with Springfield in the NHL this season. His four assists, two-way deal, $700,000 AAV. Uh, another kind of depth blue liner, and you mentioned you know there's a lot of different options on that blue line. Uh, he's going to report to Rockford a minor league deal here, but uh, another another attribute to the defensive core uh, for the Blackhawks. And Stan would have to you know kind of. Uh evaluate why that trade happened um you know there was some rumors that Sorella who was playing with the the Carolina organization was not happy that he didn't get a better chance at the NHL level I think when you looked at training camp this year there were some eyes on him to see what he could do after a really strong Calder Cup run last year and helping the Charlotte Checkers uh, win the championship um but when you looked at players that we're in the same position as he would. There's no doubt that Nylander and, and Kubalik and Anton Vadin uh, stood out as better than they were. Um, and now you look at him being slotted into a couple different positions down in Rockford. Maybe he's not happy, but uh, again, you'd have to ask Stan what the, what, why the deal was made. Um, but you can never get enough depth on the blue line. Um, every organization is looking for that, and it's another depth player that they can they can look at who has some NHL experience. I heard the same thing about uh, Sorella that maybe he didn't think he was an AHL player. And, you know, you want to have a guy who wants to play, you know, wherever, wherever you put him. Uh, I thought he had some skill. I thought they gave him a pretty good look, as you mentioned, but yeah, he was just down, down so a little bit. So just say it, bad attitude, garbage I, no, attitude? I, didn't, well, I mean, guy? I talked to him. I don't know garbage attitude, but I, <laughs> I, I, I've heard the same thing Troy heard is that he yeah. doesn't want to play in the AHL. You know, you want guys who want to play, and you go on guys who are happy. And, but, and, you know, you know, but they gave him a shot here. Yeah, they I mean, did. They, yeah. they gave him a chance, and when you watch the preseason games, um, the other players stood out more. Yeah. And when you're looking yeah, for totally. separation, the other guys separated themselves in a, in a positive manner. Not that he was bad or anything like that, but, you know, didn't separate himself with the other guys that they were looking at in the same role, which would have been, you know, Vadin with Kubalik and, and uh, Alex Nylander. Those guys excelled more. And so you look at it and you say, listen, we, we, you know, we have players that are playing better than you are, and that's just the bottom line. So if he wasn't happy in Rockford, and again, I don't know what the situation was. Maybe it was, uh, you know, Florida wanting... Uh, that player and and pushing for it to get him, but you know, I mean, if you're not happy and, and the the one thing, and I, I don't want to get on a tangent here, or get off subject, but you know, people talk about the the uh, a word now that that a lot of the younger players come in is the entitlement. Yep. Um, you know, there's a kid who was with the Edmonton Oilers uh, 
Pugliarvi, mm-hmm. who went back and actually I think he just signed with the KHL now, um, saying, well, I, I need more ice time with better players to show what I can do. Well, right. I, I guarantee you, you've had that chance and you haven't shown anything. And for the players that come in here and, and don't make the most of their opportunities, shame on them and shame on for the people who are advising them, uh, giving them advice and and not telling those guys like, like an Andrew Shaw. And I always use this comparison. Andrew Shaw was on an American League contract. They signed him to an NHL contract the week the week of his recall, um, and he played in his first game against Philadelphia. He got into a fight. He he scored a goal, and really never has gone back to the minors. When you see players come up, and they say, "Well, you know, I didn't get a chance playing with Patrick Kane, and that's who I should be playing with." To you know, you, you have to earn that opportunity. And if they say, you know what, you're going to get three shifts a game, they better be the three best shifts that you've ever played in your entire life to get four the next game and maybe five the next game. You know, you 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 got to keep the carrot in front of the cart. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't give it to these players just because of, um, you know, who they are and what they think they could be. Well, McCaution, you know, he's a Wisconsin kid, so he's from Wisconsin uh, originally, so you know he's going to be a good character guy, hardworking guy, and... I played college hockey at Wisconsin, at uh, sorry at uh, Boston College, and I remember watching him. I, I was doing some games for the Badgers, and he was an NHL defenseman in college. He had that look, the way he played, the way he handled the puck. He was like a step above everyone. Um, second round draft pick too for the Panthers. Yeah, bigger guy, um, big body on him. He looked like a man out there in college, and I, I haven't watched him since. And I know he was he was talk about him in Wisconsin. I've heard people talk about him saying this guy's like the, be- the best defenseman to come out of Wisconsin since Suter. He didn't play at Wisconsin, but a lot of talk about him, and I haven't watched him since. Maybe there's been a little bit of stall in development why we haven't seen him in the NHL much. Maybe it was a, a fit, a certain team, but um, I'm pretty certain he's going to be a guy that this organization is going to keep a close eye on. So, you know, Murphy's down now. Maybe another guy goes down. They're going to need another bigger kind of the the brand of hockey that we're seeing them win with right now is a little bit more of a shutdown heavier defensive style not the run and gun not the the make the plays so he may be a guy that that a a trade we could see in a a month or two like wow that was a really good trade and and he has nhl experience yeah which if you bring up uh you know a younger guy like boquist he doesn't have the nhl experience and right now you you need guys that have nhl experience that can you know correlate into wins because you know, you don't Big want to time. be in a position where you're you're trying to groom players at this level um, to be successful. You want somebody to come in and step in and, and play a role. Maybe it. It's seven, eight minutes a game, but you know, to have that NHL experience certainly is a big factor for him. Six foot three, two hundred and eighteen pounds. Ian McCaution is. Uh, Troy, I would also like to say that my NHL career never worked out because I didn't get ice time with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, honestly, I wasn't put in a good spot to win, so uh, it just didn't work out. Troy, thanks for joining us. Uh, Great conversation with you today. you and Adam uh, going back and forth, bringing a, a perspective. Uh, Cook, you and I got to kind of sit here and enjoy it, and then we could chime in when we wanted to. It's nice. I was I ready like to the separate pressure them, off. I was ready to yeah. jump in and, you know, what do what it takes to separate I thought them. when mm-hmm. we brought up college careers, I thought we were going to have to really uh, throw well, this Well, I've side. softened my stance on Wisconsin somewhat because my son did go up to yeah. uh, Wisconsin, and it's a, it's a great school. And they actually recruited me. I don't know if I told you this story, Adam. They, they recruited me. Um, Grant Strandbrook was yeah, of course, was, um, legend. Yeah, uh, it was really pushing for me to come and visit the school, and I decided I narrowed it down to Denver, North Dakota. So I went on school visits. Never did go to see Madison and, and see the the campus. The first time I actually, rather than driving through Madison, 
was when my son was up there looking at the school and ended up going to a football game, Camp Randall, and, and I was just like, whoa, I mean, I, I might have come here if I, <laughs> if, I, if I had gone in the school visit. And I know you told me your son lived right above the college club, <laughs> my favorite establishment in Madison. So your son and I, we think alike, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, Troy. It's a great school, and he had a lot of fun. Troy, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll have to do a spinoff of uh, Badgers Insider uh, going into Wisconsin a little more. But When they uh, beat North Dakota this year, maybe we'll bring him back. Yeah, we'll bring him back. We'll, we'll... All I'm hearing is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Again, a special thank you to Troy Murray. Uh, Thursday night is 70s night at the UC, and Sunday is the annual Hockey Fights Cancer Game. For more info on both nights, head over to Blackhawks.com for Chris Cook. Adam Burrish and Troy Murray. I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive.